the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Generation Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is BJ Cunningham. Ready to talk some hoops? Absolutely. It's a wonderful uh, Saturday slate with the SEC Big 12 Challenge, along with other great, another great game. So I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it'll, it'll go a long way in determining which conference reigns supreme. I, I like this for bragging rights. It's going to tell us a lot about all these teams. We have a lot to get to today. We will bring in our friend, Mr. Colin Wilson, as always. He'll give one pick and then get out of here. I will talk with Blake Lovell, who covers the SEC. That interview will be later in the show. We obviously have our Friday night six-pack from the guys from Three Man Weave. We will get to that later in the show as well. BJ and I will also go through Saturday's card highlights and spots that we have circled. We'll also talk a little Kentucky, Kansas. By the way, all the talk here in Lexington is Kentucky's got to win because they got to keep Kansas at arm's length through the Heisman pose because Kentucky has the most wins all time in college basketball history. They are four ahead of Kansas. So you get this win you're pretty much guaranteed to hold that record for another year. If not, you know, you're up three. Kansas makes a run and Kentucky goes out early. All of a sudden, Kansas has the most wins of all time. So that's a a talking point here locally, and I'm sure in Lawrence as well. Uh, Before we talk uh, weekend card, let's – and takeaways from this week. Let's bring in Mr. Wilson. Like he's uh, – isn't Mr. Wilson the guy from Home Improvement? Wow, I'm dating – am I dating myself? We peeked over the fence – Hey, Wilson. What are you up to? Well, Tim, I'm admiring my yams. Should I leave you alone? No, 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 no. Yeah, every episode he was on on Home Improvement, he had to make sure and cover the bottom of his face, like his mouth. You never say it. And I've been called that a lot, but a lot of people also call me the volleyball from Castaway, Wilson, you know? Oh, yeah. Just screaming oh, Wilson. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a there's been a lot of that, but at least no one's calling me Colin. That was the great name at six years old when everybody was calling Colin, yeah, I think we had a Colin in middle school. How's tracking the transfer portal going? Oh, the transfer portal is wild. I think, you know, we've got, we've still got sixth year seniors, fifth year seniors uh, that are coming back. So we don't really have an accurate gauge of offensive lines. Stuck, you know, that Northern Illinois is going to return everybody. I think like every single roster spot is going to be filled with six year seniors. BJ, Iowa is going to be, I think they have one of the most returning, biggest returning production numbers on offense. So, you know, college football is wild, but I, I can't wait. When this podcast gets released, we'll know if Caleb Williams, if Caleb Williams is last day to declare for USC is on Friday. And if he doesn't declare by tomorrow to start the spring semester, he may be Wisconsin bound. And I don't know how Stucky's going to deal with that because making fun of poverty offense is not going to be a thing for Wisconsin anymore. So that's how tarps going. They'll find a way to still have a poverty offense. PJ, do you have a joke about Iowa state? Well, I heard last time uh, that said Iowa state was one of the worst teams in the transfer portal. And I was just, you know, if you want to come on and just talk for an hour about that, I'm totally game. I don't know if we might lose our entire listenership uh, and aims, but I'm okay with that. We've had enough college football talk for this show. (laughs) 
uh, before we lose the college basketball diehards. Colin, we bring you on every week. We'll talk some Arkansas sometimes. But we talked them last week, most weeks, if not everyone. We'll ask you for one pick and then get you out of here. I think you got a boxing class to go to um, yeah. so you can chase down some money. We got one pick for us for this weekend. Woo, pig suey. Yeah, the beauty of having a 15-year-old daughter uh, is that when you say, sweetie, would you like to have a shared activity? And she says, come to my boxing class. That's how I got wrapped up into that. So, oh, it's uh, not your, it, you're not boxing. It's your no, daughter. No, I'm, go- I'm boxing with my daughter in a boxing class. You know, it's off-season for me now, so I got to get healthy before college baseball starts. And MLB so it's like starts. an all-ages thing and you can do it with your daughter? Yes. Pretty cool. My wife is a little bit more extreme than I am when it comes to working out. You know, this weekend, I think the Arkansas spread is going to be way too inflated. And I love this Big 12 SEC challenge. Big 12 is getting a reputation that they're the best. And I even took a future on Texas Tech after that loss. But I think in general, I'm betting SEC up and down the board. Uh, Arkansas is as hot as can be, five wins in a row. They're going up against a West Virginia team that's had four losses in a row. And West Virginia has been sending a lot of teams to the free throw line. Arkansas is absolutely feasting at the free throw line. So uh, Stucky talks a lot about free throw defense. If, if you don't have good free throw defense, Arkansas will eat you up. But I think the best bet this weekend, if Ty Ty is back for Kentucky, I don't know if we have that confirmed or, or did, I mean, she weighs hinted that he's going to be back, but we don't know it's a twisted ankle. It's probably be a game time decision down up and down the board. I'm going straight sec. I mean, I would play place a bet with anybody that sec wins and covers more games than the big 12 this weekend. I think the big 12 is getting a little bit too much steam, a little bit too much hype and, you know, when I watch some of these games, you know, Kansas State, they can't come back from anything. Uh, you know, Kansas is having problems at home the other night. Uh, Texas Tech can't finish the job with their new coach. Beard's still trying to fit in at Texas. The SEC will win and cover more than the Big 12 this weekend. Here, it just means more. All right, well, there you have it. So what I'm going to do, since it's, you know, it's, I'm the host, and we'll just make this a contest. Every week we'll have something new to add to your record. It could be one pick for now to start your record. And we'll have a punishment that we'll take, or you have to take depending on how you end up. You have every sec team against the spread. We'll be kind, whether it's like open or close. We'll, we'll be, we'll be kind. And well, we'll just count it as one. So if you end up profitable, you want to know if you're not, you're zero and one, we will see you next weekend. Good luck boxing and enjoy your weekend, brother. Thanks for having me guys. See you soon. Wilson, what are you doing? Hi, ho, Tim. I'm just testing my maracas. All right, there's Mr. Wilson peeking over the fence. Uh, BJ, quick takeaway from this week. Anything that you want to mention, rant about, anything that you want to talk about? Yeah, the the Arizona-UCLA game on uh, Wednesday night, I think, you know, the honest reaction to most people is, oh, my gosh, you know, UCLA won by a ton. Like, they're the new favorite to win the Pac-12. But I think everybody kind of needs to pump the brakes uh, on UCLA and everything because Arizona really just didn't shoot the ball well. If you look at the shot quality – you know, post-game win expectancy was around 50%. Uh, you know, Matherin went two of 16 from two-point field goal range, and he usually shoots around 54%. Tubelis only played 15 minutes. So it was just a really bad spot for Arizona. And I was looking at their odds to win the Pac-12, and, you know, they're currently tied with UCLA, and they're minus 120. They UCLA still has to play Arizona on the road. They got to play Oregon on the road. They got to play USC on the road. Current I like price, that. I think that's a pretty good price in Arizona. I don't think you're going to get much better as we go through here because this is still obviously an incredible team. And really, it's their Pac 12 lose, especially after Oregon laid that egg against Colorado on Wednesday. Yeah, I was definitely an impressive performance, but everything went right for them and they played like almost the perfect game and then everything yeah. broke their way. But it's just one game. But yeah, I agree. I think I, Arizona, I think, is still clearly the best team. I, I can't wait for them. I had that spot circled. I wonder how long. Yeah how high is going to be when they get them 
on at home in the second matchup. Uh, my takeaways from the week, I have two. One, uh, I since we, we recorded this last Thursday, so I'm, I've been living in the slum since. I think I'm – let me check. I am 13 and 21 since last Thursday, so on a poor stretch. Now, two things that I want to say about that. I mean, one, you're always going to have those stretches, but think of it. We always talk about shooting variants. Like, I've had some duds, some bad picks. You are you just have to deal with this in college basketball. End-of-game variants, shooting variants. Like, you're going up against those things. There's a lot of variants when you're capping college basketball. You're going to go on runs when that those things are working your way. You're going to go on bad runs when they're not. The one good thing is there was so much more added variance, and I survived it um, earlier in the seat earlier in the season up until like the last week or two with missing players, canceled games. Like, like it has calmed down a lot. Uh, I am so burnt out. I mean, we've been doing this every sports almost coming up on two years since March 2020, and it, I mean it is exhausting. I, I went back and looked, and the COVID news that I beat in the market. I've lost money on, which I'm like, right, why have I spent all this time doing this? I could have just said, I'm not going to stay up all night trying to track. Now it's, you know, it's small sample sizes. It's like, you know, I mean, how many games are there? A hundred, hundred to NFL, it's even smaller. It's tiny. So, but yeah, it's the process, right? If you're not in that mindset and, and grinding, then you're not going to, you're going to be lazy elsewhere and you just have to accept the, the variants. But I'm very excited that everything seems until the next variant or whatever it is, but that gives me peace of mind. As of right now, we're in for a much smoother February and March. It's similar to the dog days of August in baseball. You, you get some duds, some, you know, the, the crowds aren't as crazy some nights and, it, you know, things kind of drag in conference. And then like February 1st, it's like everything is, is kind of intensified and it's all systems go. So I've had some weird Januaries. I've had some Januaries where I've been demolished on pace to do that this year. I've had some Januaries where absolutely crushed very, very high variance month or at least the way that i cap but excited that the variance it looks like it's going to go down from a who's out and who's in perspective all right let's move on to saturday's card so many games so little time let's look at the saturday slate we will start with the aforementioned kentucky kansas game that's the marquee game and it's where game day is going on saturday we can see, I don't think there's any look ahead lines for games like this yet, but you know, Ken Palm has this Kansas at home, one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. Kansas has Ken Palm has this Kansas three point favorites here. I have these teams pretty close to equal. I have Kentucky a little bit ahead, and my home court for Lawrence in a non conference game close to four points. So I'm like three, three and a half. I would need to bet Kentucky here, and I don't think I'm going to be doing it. I would need five – I would probably need six. And the reason, you know, I'm going to make this around three, three and a half, four. So just from the line value perspective, I think Kentucky has some decent matchups, but there's a lot of injury questions. Ty Ty Washington, turned ankle. The on-off splits, I mean, just the splits in general with him um, – when, when he and Wheeler are playing for Kentucky or when either one of them are out are drastic. He's just so key to running that offense. He gives him another ball handler, being on defense. And um, he's a shoot. It gives him another shooter. He's so important. I think he's their best all around offensive player already. 
You also had Shibway who turned an ankle. You also had Toppin who turned an ankle. They all said they're fine. Shibway even hit it that tie-tie Washington's back. But, like, ankles swell. And so I, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Um, I think it'll be a great game. Tough place to play. Kentucky, I, I still don't know if, like, all right, are they – like, they've, they've handled themselves well in these tough environments for, like, stretches, but – they never had their whole team. They always, they, they've been hurt and like against. So um, this is a really tough ask uh, at, yeah, this should be a raucous environment. I assume the line will come out around three, three and a half. It'll most likely be a pass for me. It could be pretty high scoring game. If every, if all, everyone is healthy on both sides, what are you looking at here? If it comes out three and a half, four, it's probably a stay away, especially if Ty Ty Washington is out. I mean, it's a really interesting matchup between Shibwe and McCormick. They're one and two an offensive rebounding percentage. So the big part of this is going to be, all right, can either one of those guys stay on the floor and get, you know, stay out of foul trouble? Because if one of them goes off the floor, it's yeah. just a huge advantage for the other, you know, the other team on the glass. But like you mentioned, you know, Kentucky, they jumped out quick against Auburn and they actually had a pretty decent lead there until yeah. Ty Ty Washington got hurt. And then everything kind of just, you know, fell apart in the second half. If Ty Ty Washington's back and Kentucky is fully healthy, like this is a, this is a good chance. If, like you said, if you can get five or six this is a good chance on Kentucky, but you know, Kansas is just getting by the skin of their teeth. You know, that's they're on like live number, what, like four or five now. Uh, you know, they escaped Norman, they escaped yeah. Manhattan, and then they escaped Monday night when they really should have lost to Texas Tech after they blew a huge lead. So uh, it's it's a really tough game to bet. You know, it's one of those things that maybe you wait and try to live bet it. But other than that, I agree with you. I'm just going to stay away probably. Yeah, one thing to note here, it, it is a really good point with the – and add in more variance with who, if one of those two gets like two early fouls, it is just an enormous advantage for their team. McCormick has done a really good job. Uh, I don't think he's fouled out this year. No, he's not fouled out. And he's, but I mean, he's not going against a sheep way. Um, yeah. And one thing that Calipari is really conservative with sheep So if he picks up like two early fouls, he might sit him like the entire rest of the half, like 15 minutes and being like, I want him for the whole second half. So if that's the case, until you know, unless it gets like way out of hand, but if that's the case, I think you can live bet Kansas there. And you know, then you can come back on I think on Kentucky when he comes back in. Um, could be an angle, but we'll see where the line comes out. Make sure you follow along on action network app. Um, to see if we have any picks there. All right, let's move on to Saturday. Buy low spot. What do you got? I'll go Northwestern. Uh, they're taking on Illinois uh, this weekend. Uh, so Northwestern's two and seven in the Big Ten. They're nine and nine overall, but they've been one of the most unlucky teams in the conference. Based on their shot quality record, they should be twelve and six and five and four in the Big Ten. They just lost a heartbreaker against Michigan, where they were leading on the road by seven with five minutes left to go and just couldn't finish the game. And the two games before that, they really should have beat Wisconsin at home. And now Illinois is making the short drive up from Champaign potentially without Kofi Coburn or if he's back, you know, from he's coming off a concussion. So it's hard to believe, imagine that he'll be, you know, hundred percent for this game. Northwestern has a good advantage. They're really good in transition. 1.13 points per possession. Illinois bottom 30% uh, in transition defense. Northwestern is just way overdue uh, to win a close game. They're two and seven in games decided by seven points or less this season. They have size, they have bodies potentially throw at Coburn. Along with their along with the fact that they're a fantastic defensive rebounding team, Ken Palm has us at Illinois minus three, assuming 
Coburn's back. It'll probably end up being somewhere around there, but in some capacity, I'll probably end up uh, being on Northwestern on Saturday at home. Uh, I had that one circled as well. I'm going to throw out, this is, has to be the ultimate buy low. I'm going to go Louisville at home against Duke. Look, I don't think Keels is going to play, which I, and I think he's super important to Duke, like on both ends of the floor. Kay came out and he said he has progressed very well, but he has still not gotten on the court. In saying that, he's in the weight room. He's doing the things our sports scientists want to make sure we're treating this injury properly and not rushing his return. Went on to talk about, like, we want to make sure he's healthy long. So there's some rumblings that he's going to play. But I don't. I think based on that, they're going to be like, well, let's play it safe. We're playing Louisville. There's no reason to rush him back. So I think this line will come out a little high. And if if this isn't Louisville's best effort of the season, what is, right? Like, Chris, yeah. apparently all the rumors around here were – it was a toxic environment. No one was getting along. And now, you you know, Chris Mack is gone. You're at home against Duke. You also have the element of surprise here, right? Like, okay, what, let's throw in some different looks. The assistants are – the players are probably going to have some input. Let's try this. Let's try this. This has to be their best effort of the season, the bottom of the barrel for what we've seen from Louisville. And I think Keels being out is actually really important for Duke on both ends. So, uh, noon Eastern, ESPN – I'll be holding my nose, nose and back a little bit. Like it could go really wrong, but I think you're going to get value in this number. So high spot. Anything here? Yeah, I'm going to go with, and this is a, a funny kind of sell high spot. It's it's Marquette breaking news right before we taped this. It's the game's being moved to Sunday because of the weather in the Northeast. Marquette's won seven straight games, including a win at Villanova. However, their last four games per shot quality, they have under a 50% post-game win expectancy they're and basically just crazy shot yeah they're just shooting the lights out right now because they're they're not a good offensive rebounding team they're outside the top 300 in offensive rebounding percentage they're outside the top 250 in free throw rate you know even if you look at their shot quality you know types you know points per possession you know in finishing at the rim 308th pick and roll 208th half court offense 254 it's an offense that's just screaming, screaming for regression. Now, this isn't the greatest of uh, sell high spots because they're taking on Providence, who yeah, by quality is the, the luckiest, way. <laughs> <laughs> the luckiest team in college basketball. But and but this is kind of a look ahead spot for Marquette. I don't know if you can call it that because they have Villanova at home uh, this upcoming Wednesday. So given the travel, given the game being pushed back, it's you know, and this is also there. Uh, they're on the road for the third time in ten days. It's 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 hard for me to sit here and say, oh yeah, going up against the luckiest team in college basketball, it's a good spot. But it, eventually, this Marquette team is is going to come down to earth. So uh, I'll sell high on Marquette uh, this weekend uh, and take Providence at home. Yeah, I was actually really upset that these two teams were playing each other. Yeah, when you know Providence stole I, another crazy win, they they hit a buzzer beater to beat Xavier, and then you know Marquette another impressive win. But to be fair, I mean, Seton Hall really misses Bryce Aiken. I mean, you can see how important yeah. he saw it against St. John's earlier in the week, too. But these two teams are definitely running well. Uh, and uh, one thing to keep an eye on, keep an eye on uh, A.J. Reed's status. He's probably Providence's best shooter. But uh, I like this. I like the spot for Providence, too, if I had to go with one of these two teams who have both been pretty fortunate. Um, I'm going to throw out. I'm going to throw out Syracuse here and I'm going to sell Wake Forest high. Wake Forest has been surprisingly good, uh, or I shouldn't say surprisingly good, surprisingly a lot better than I thought they'd be kind of on a little 
a uh, little run here. I mean, they're let's see, they are they're a half game out of first place in the ACC. They've been playing really well, but I really like this matchup, and I think you're going to get some good value based on what we've seen from Syracuse lately. Syracuse has been a lot better at home, and what we've seen from Wake. I just don't trust the Wake Forest offense against zones. And if you look, they're 91 percentile in offense against man-to-man. They are in the 40th percentile against zone, and they've had over 300 possessions against them, including one against Syracuse. And Syracuse went to Wake, and they lost in overtime. Fortunately covered. I was on the mare. I just I don't like this team against zone. And the reason is, is they rely on getting to the rim, and that is where they thrive. It's not a good shooting team, and also it's not a good offensive rebounding team. So those are all the things that, you know, that Syracuse limits with their zone, right? Yet they limit opportunities at the rim. Also, one of their biggest weaknesses is that they allow offensive rebounds, but that's not where Wake thrives. And Wake's just not a great shooting team, great passing team, great cutting team. And the, the zone kind of takes away a lot of that. And, you know, Cuse doesn't turn the ball over as well. And they rebound really well on the offensive end. And what does that do? That limits transition opportunities for Wake, who's excellent in transition. So there's a lot of things at play that make this a really good matchup for Syracuse. Revenge spot as well. And I think that selling Wake kind of at the peak of the market here after they've been playing, uh, I think, better than a lot of people expected. And credit to the, the Demon Deeks. Home dog time. You, you know what's funny? My home dog is Syracuse. Wow. <laughs> All right. Double it up. You got anything to add? Yeah, yeah. Ken Pong has it at uh, Wake minus three. So all of those things you said, I had that note written down about the zone. You know, it's a great matchup, like you said. But, you know, Syracuse, their last two games, they've gone 11 of 60 from three. On average, they shoot around 35%. So, like, major, major, like, positive regression coming for them. Yeah, Donny Bam's going to get hot soon, too. Yeah. He's been – He's been shooting cold pretty much all season. You know, a lot of what Syracuse's offense is, is, you know, catch and shoot threes. Well, Wake Forest uh, is outside the top 200 in points per possession against catch and shoot three-pointers. So basically just a good regression matchup for Syracuse. Plus with, like you said, with the zone, Wake's, Wake hasn't won at, at the Carrier Dome since Syracuse moved to the ACC. So, you know, like I said, Ken Palm has it at Wake Forest minus three. I'll take, I'll take Syracuse uh, anything plus money or, you know, plus on the spread. My home dog is probably going to be Denver uh, against Oral Roberts. Denver has one of the most under, I mean, one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball, just because of the altitude, the travel is always annoying and they're always undervalued at home because of it. The worst bet in all of college basketball over the past 20 years, betting Denver on the road. So if you just take a team and then whether a home or road in conference. So as take all every team's conference home games since 2005 the most profitable by far the denver pioneers they're 80 53 and three wow against the spread at home in conference since 2005 that's 61.6 percent covering by like 2.3 points per game so i always show value on them they're playing better of late they've been on the short end of the stick on a number of games they've lost like three games by two points or less they've lost two in overtime they their their offense is a lot better than I thought. So yeah, I think that we're gonna get some value on the home pup Denver, who just it's never a bad bet. I said the same thing about Colorado last week and uh unfortunately I lost by the hook on a foul with one second left. Uh but uh I think we'll have a chance to cover with Denver. All right, let's uh quickly 
Let's go run down and uh, mention any other spots you had circled. What else you got? Yeah, let's go uh, Northern Iowa at home against Illinois State. It's a good spot uh, for the Panthers to really just flex their muscles offensively against a really, really bad defense. A.J. Green, you know, he missed the overtime loss to Valpo, returned for their past two games, the overtime loss to Drake, and then the win against Evansville. They're not surprisingly that the Panthers are an incredible half-court offense. You know, Ben Jacobson teams, they thrive in half-court. They're top 5% of college basketball in points per possession in half-court offense. Now, they may seem to some zone from Illinois State, but that's okay because the few times they've seen zone, they've put up 1.3 points per possession. Now, Northern Iowa's not a great defensive team, but they do have the best defensive rebounding percentage in college basketball and do a fantastic job at limiting opponents at the free throw line. Illinois State, not that great of an offense. So, you know, Ken Palm has us at Northern Iowa minus seven. Uh, hopefully we can get that, but I would probably play it up to minus eight. Don't mind that look. Uh, I'll throw out uh, – let's start Richmond team that's tortured me this year, but I think they're figuring some things out of late. And I think they met, I mean, they're getting VCU off that like really emotionally held on for dear life win at Davidson. This game should be around a pick. And obviously it's going to be in Richmond for, but in Richmond's gym, but uh, I think it's just a really good matchup for Richmond. Richmond does not turn the ball over uh, their top 10, I think nationally in turnover rate, which means that VCU can't get out in transition. And then the few chances they do, Richmond is excellent defending in transition. And if you look this VCU offense, when they're not getting in transition and they're elite in transition, because usually it's just like a steal, kick ahead, layup, you know, they're kicking out for a three. The half court offense is disgusting. And they're shooting like 41% from three during conference, but there's some regression coming. I mean, if you look at that Davidson again, they couldn't miss from three. It's not a great shooting team. Richmond, by the way, is that they're on the other end of the spectrum. They they're a better shooting team than they've been. So I think the regression is on your side here. Just a really good matchup. But then I think on the offensive end, I'm a little afraid because Richmond's like soft to me, and like VCU's not, and that's the only thing that scares me. But Mooney's motion can use like the aggressiveness of VCU against them. Uh, we've seen that in the past at times. So I just think it's a really good matchup because Richmond, and if you look at their press offense, like 98th percentile. And VCU presses at that one of the highest rates in the country. It's like really they, they got the ball handlers to handle this. Um, so I think it's a really good matchup for Richmond. Yeah, I had that actually circled as well. So it looks wow. like same page now. Yeah, I'll, I'll add one thing into that. All I, I basically had pretty much all of those notes except for the press uh, pressing numbers. But uh, VCU is second and three point field goal percentage allowed around twenty six percent. But if you look at their shot quality ranks at defending three pointers, there outside the 200s rank and points per possession. So a uh, lot of, like you said, a lot of negative regression coming for VCU and are just a really good spot. This one's going to be fun uh, late night. How about BYU and Pacific? How, why not bet the most unlucky team in college basketball versus one of the luckiest? One in <laughs> one in 13 against the spread, I think now. Pacific. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, now BYU is playing tonight on the road at Santa Clara. And Pacific is traveling up to take on Portland. So this we'll, we'll see what this line. It can look very different. But, you know, Pacific's going to be a double-digit underdog at home. Pacific, before Thursday night, has lost six straight games. But based on the shot quality, they should be three and three in those games. They already played BYU once this season on the road in the beginning of January. They lost 73 to 51. But the post-game shot quality was BYU 65, Pacific 64. There was about a 16-point difference in the shot quality of three-pointers uh wow. versus actual points you know it was a byu was about eight points more on threes and pacific was about eight points less so it was 
is crazy. Like the regression coming. So, you know, that sums it, up like their entire year. Yeah. It, I mean, BYU, Ken Palm has a BYU. Our team, teams are shooting like 50% from three against Pacific or something. Yeah. It's, it's something crazy. They're like three, they're out. They're like 350th, I think in three point field goal defense or percentage allowed in conference. So they're, they're it's insane. Yeah. I mean, they obviously had that COVID pause and then they came off it against uh, San Diego, which, you know, they lost, but in the post game, again, post game shot quality was basically 50, 50. So it's just seems like it happens every game for them. So at some point, I hope so, or else I'm going to be broke that, you know, Pacific will finally get some of that aggression back. So I'll try and I'll try and get it against uh, BYU. Who's uh, I think uh, about three or four games above the uh, wins above what they should be. Uh, was that your last one? Uh, I can do one more. Uh, right, let me, I'll throw one out there first. I, I was just going to rattle off my last two if you didn't have one. So uh, one I'll throw out, UCF against Houston. Um, I think we're going to get a good number here with UCF. Lot, look, this, this team is pro talent. They kind of play up and down to teams, and we've seen them at home, like, really play up. We saw it against Michigan. We saw it against Memphis. And – you know, Houston's kind of been blowing out teams at home. They haven't really done much on the road. They've had some injuries, which I don't think are being properly accounted for in the market. And I think UCF can uh, can hang here at home. And here's – look, Houston's going to live on the offense glass. They're going to get a lot of putbacks and easy buckets. But here's what – it's a fifth game for – fifth road game for Houston. They lost to Alabama. It's not bad. They blew out South Florida. And then they, they won by five at Temple and two at Tulsa. So it's not like they've been trucking everyone in conference. They've been rolling teams at home. The, you know, here's, here's what, if you look at UCF, they're really inefficient at attacking the rim and in transition and in half court, they're good. And, you know, they can shoot. They have a lot of shooters who can get hot and make tough shots. Well, Houston doesn't let you get out in transition and they don't let you attack the rim. So the way that Houston plays is like, not letting UCF shoot itself in the foot in a sense. So I like that here. I like that. It's going to be kind of slowed down into Houston's pace. Like people think that I mean, UCF wants to run and they like to get, but it's, they're not efficient doing so. Um, so I think you're going to get an inflated price in a, just a home run spot for UCF who needs this game. Like if you, people are talking at large and they've been disciplined. They got to go on a run and they got to win this game. Uh, so I think UCF will have some value on, Saturday. Um, and all my spots be out. I'll, I'll write a little bit more about that. Well, what's your last one? I'll stay in the ACC or AAC. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Wichita state Tulane. Uh, this is a good revenge spot for the shockers who lost at home to Tulane 16 days ago after leading by 14 at half. But it's important to mention that Wichita state was without Dexter Dennis and Aduze two of their best, two of their best players. So this time around, it's going to be a little different. Wichita state is not a great shooting team, but they're an outstanding offensive rebounding team and they get to the free throw line at the second highest rate in the AAC. And they're making over 80% of their free throws in conference play. And most importantly, that's two areas where Tulane struggles defensively. Tulane runs a ton of pick and roll. It's, it, you know, which really isn't going to work against Wichita because they're top 5% in college basketball and points per points per possession allowed in pick and roll defense. Additionally, Tulane is 36th in three point field goal percentage, but Wichita is 46th in defending three pointers and Tulane, one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the country. So they'll virtually have no second chance points. It's a good revenge spot for Wichita. So uh, Ken Palm has a Wichita minus one right now. I would love it at that. And I'd probably play anything up to Wichita minus three. But my last two that I had here, I think, I mean, 
maybe can we get like six with Alabama at home? I don't know. <laughs> I know. But Alabama's the ultimate, like you play them as a dog. They're just a high variance team. I mean, we've seen them lose to Georgia and we've seen them beat like Gonzaga and Houston and they're going to shoot a lot of threes. They have some positive shooting regression coming up. I mean, they're like 29th percentile on unguarded jumpers. They're shooting. And if you look at some of these guys like Gurley and Quinterly, like they're shooting well below their career averages. I also think that Baylor, you know, their defense has been a bit fortunate uh, in regards to perimeter defense. That's how you have to beat Baylor. You have to be able to shoot on the perimeter. So after a home loss to Georgia, it's like, uh, this is, I mean, a road loss to Georgia, this is, you're getting Baylor at home. This is the spot you probably want to back the tide. Um, the other one, Nevada against Utah State. I still think Utah State has a lot of issues with Brock Miller out. You know, they're not fully healthy yet, and they've shown that. And they, I was on them the other night, but mainly that was just because San Diego State was like their third game in five days. They're coming off COVID, like in altitude. I think that was more about San Diego State. Nevada at home, they just lost Washington to fracture their seven-footer to fractured fingers. He's like their their post-presence can block shot. You won't really miss him here. I mean, he could, yeah, you know, like Utah State's not like going into the post and uh, I don't think it's a huge loss. You have another seven-footer and Will Baker, throw breaker, throw Baker, I should say, you could bring in. Utah State was really excited to get that win. I think this could be a spot for Nevada. I like their advantage on the outside with an undermanned Utah State perimeter. Um, and, yeah, it looks like Rutgers uh, – it looks like Nebraska's getting blown out by Wisconsin. This could be the spot. Nebraska gets Rutgers. Rutgers has done nothing on the road. Is this the time that Nebraska cracks through? And uh, Indiana – where's Indiana going on Saturday? Maryland? They play Maryland? I believe so, yep. Oh, Indiana is 0-8-1 against the spread on the road in conference play since last wow. February. So we'll <laughs> see if they can get it done. All right, uh, that'll do it for Saturday. Good stuff there. Let's bring in Blake, and we'll talk some SEC. From the Southern to the Summit League, the MEAC and the Missouri Valley, there are over 350 Division I programs. So let's get acquainted. This is Conference Confidential. Friend of the podcast, Blake Lovell. Some of you may know him from previous years when we bring him in to talk SEC, covers the SEC. He's affiliated with Blue Ribbon Yearbook. I'll let him plug some things later in the show. Thanks for joining us, Blake. How are you? Yeah, doing well, my friend. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Yeah, uh, excited to talk some SEC because it's uh, one of the most exciting, if and if not the best conference top to bottom in all of college basketball with a couple of true contenders. We're going to kind of talk through – tears and you're if i recall correctly you're in nashville and you went to austin p right you're a governor yes that's it i'm a i'm a gov let's go p so so you don't have a you don't have a team you don't have a team right no not really uh yeah good well that's we like unbiased opinions around here uh, let's <laughs> let's uh let's start at the very top with the two clear contenders uh in kentucky and auburn we've seen kentucky play a couple games unfortunately when they've lost a couple guys and if you look at their on-off splits they're pretty drastic but when both yeah. these teams are healthy they're clear national title contenders do you see either one having a higher ceiling or one that's more flawed than the other or does it just come down to draw and variance once you get into the bracket I think that's it with these two um you know I know I know Auburn's number one right now but and look we could play this with a lot of different games over the years I'm sure but it's like how does that game play out, you know, at full strength for Kentucky? I mean, they, they got off to a great start in that one, and I thought that Kentucky at times looked just as good as Auburn. And so I think these are 
these are two teams, like you said, it, it's going to be all about the draw and, and what they get from a road to the, to the final four type scenario. They're just, I mean, they have what you want, right? Like they have two superstars and yep. you always talk about that, right? It's like, once you get, if you have that guy that can basically, if you're not playing well, if you're not at your best, you have that one guy that can sort of put you exactly where you need to be and put you on their back. Now I know for Jabari Smith, uh, for Auburn, that didn't happen against Missouri, but yet Katie Johnson stepped up, and he's been someone else that's kind of stayed in that role for Auburn too. But, I mean, Oscar Sheepway, I don't know what else you say about this guy. He's just I, – I keep saying I have not seen a guy like this in terms of just animalistic in, instincts, right? Like this guy has an awareness I just – I have not seen in a long time. And the way he's playing right now for Kentucky is pretty remarkable. And so when you have two guys like that, that's a great start. But then you've got all these – high-level talents around them, and I just think it sets up really well for both these two teams. They're all they're, – they're both starting to just really come together at the right time, and so I think that they are they are very close together, uh, and I think they both have a chance to, to make a deep run. Yeah, it's – I mean, Shibuya is a cheat code in a way in that if you have an yeah. off-shooting night, he can grab, you know, 20 to 25 of your misses. But I think the thing that separates this Kentucky team from some of the previous Cal teams that we've seen is they actually have shooting. Um, so they have guys who can make threes now, stretch the floor. So that's exciting to see. So, yeah, I don't think there's any – there's much argument on those two being national title contenders, certainly for the Final Four. The next tier of teams in the SEC gets a little more interesting. We could throw Tennessee, you know, Arkansas, Mississippi State, LSU, Alabama, just teams that, you know, have shown flashes – but there are clear flaws that might hold them back, right? You talk Tennessee, it's the offense at times. You talk LSU, it's also the offense at times. <laughs> Alabama, it's, it's the defense. And I think they really miss some, you know, Primo and Jones from last yeah. year a lot more than people think. You know, Mississippi State's defense is questionable as well. Is there one of these, these teams in that next tier that you think – has a ceiling of, you know, making a legit run in March. And they just, you know, they just need to figure a little thing out and they're, they're really close. Um, you know, is there one of those teams that you believe in more than the others? The only, I think it's LSU. And the only issue I have in saying that is, like you said, it's such a drastic change from what we've been used to at LSU, where it's, they could look like the number one offensive team in the country, but yet they haven't played, a, you know, much defense over the past couple of years. But now it's like it's flipped where they are so good on defense. And, I mean, it is remarkable. I would have – if you'd asked me a thousand times if I thought this LSU team is going to be just elite as they are defensively, I would have never been able to guess this. Like, it's just – it's what we've seen, right, from Will Wade's teams is you knew going in, like, he was kind of lauded as his defensive coach, but he just could never sort of get it out of that group he had. And now he's getting it, man. And it's just – it's remarkable. But at the same time – offensively they, they they leave a lot to be desired but I think it's because they're so good defensively and let's point this out too they haven't had Xavier Pinson for a little while yeah, um you know he's, he's a good offense yeah days two and it's like when those two guys are on the floor they're they can be a good offensive team I don't think they're ever going to be a great offensive team but when when they're not though it's like man they it, it's a fall and so I think it's it can be a little deceiving to look at their record right now and say well they're four and four in the SEC they lost three in a row before you know, that game against Texas A&M, but if they can get everyone healthy, they got a really favorable back half of the schedule. Um, they played the toughest first half, I think, of anyone in the league. And so now it's like, I think LSU can make up some ground here. And, and ultimately, I think they probably are the third best team. 
you know, Tennessee, like you said, I mean, they're, they're also kind of like LSU where they're great on defense, but man, I've just, I've seen this so many times with Rick Barnes teams, unfortunately, where it's like, you, you see some of the bad offense they play and you're just like, man, is that going to be what gets them? Because they, they got the horses at times. Kennedy Chandler's really good. You know, Vescovy's played a lot better, but I just, I still wonder about them. And then you look at teams like Alabama. I, man, I'm, I just don't know what to say about Alabama. I think that they, they have the widest range of any team in the SEC in terms of what they can accomplish and what they cannot accomplish in terms of beat Gonzaga, lose to Georgia. I mean, yeah. what, what else do you say? Right. I mean, it's, and then, you know, those three teams like Arkansas, Mississippi State, A&M, I think they're all good teams. I still don't know what the ceiling is for them, but I'd probably put – Arkansas is just taking advantage of a, a decent schedule right now. I think we learn about Arkansas a lot more over the next month because then they start playing the Kentuckys, the Auburns, the Tennessees, those kind of teams. Uh, so I'd probably put LSU third, though. Yeah, amazing. LSU last year, per Kempom, finished fifth on offense and adjusted efficiency, 124th oh. on defense. This year <laughs> – they're 133rd on defense and first on in defense. A complete Crazy. flip from last year. Yeah, it's wild. But, yeah, their offensive numbers are going to definitely take a hit with Pinson out. You know, they, they need him on the ball. And then, you know, he's important defensively as well and, and Days is shooting. So, I don't think that their offensive numbers are as bad. You're going to kind of be deflated because of those two guys being out. So, by the way, any thoughts on Florida? Is Florida just a lost cause? I mean, look, if Colin Castleton's not on the floor, I don't see how they – and it's just like we don't know, I guess, how long he's going to be out. But Florida's put themselves in a position now where they're three and five in the league. And it's like Colin Castleton, even if he's out, like their next three SEC games, I was looking at this earlier, Missouri, Ole Miss, Georgia. They've unfortunately put themselves in a point where they have to win all three of those. And I just don't know if they're going to do that, especially Missouri, right? Like Missouri's, I mean, you could argue they're, they're, they're much improved. Yeah, like they are a very feisty team. That's a good way to put it. And like, you're playing at Mizzou and they almost beat Auburn the other night. So it's like, I think Florida is going to wind up putting itself too far behind, I guess the eight ball. So for lack of a better phrase, um, I just, even with Castleton, I didn't think the ceiling for this team was that high. And without him, um, I just, yeah, I think they've got to, they're going to be to me, if they're, if they're in the NCAA tournament, if they wind up getting there, I think they're one of those teams we're looking at and saying they're either last four in or last four out probably. Yep. As far as a team that, you know, since this, this is a betting podcast. If there's a team that might be undervalued down the stretch, the better should look at. Is it potentially Vanderbilt if they get, you know, a few of their guys back? Because they've been playing. Yeah. You know, they, the two of their, you know, Rob, Robbins, I believe he hasn't played at all, right? And they yeah. should, I think he's still going to come back at one point this year. They also have been playing for the past, and I mean, Ronnie Chapman's only played like, five games this year and they've they've looked a lot yeah. better with him in it so you know you have some talent there you get those guys back down the stretch is that a team that could you know make some noise later in the year I think in that scenario yes and I think Chapman's a big part of that because I mean that they do like even those games he's played you know it's not many but you could tell like they're a different team when he's on the floor he just brings some elements that they don't have and and that takes away some of the pressure from Scottie Pippen but I'm going to go back to what I said a minute ago, man. And I just, I don't know how much it's going to hold, but I think Missouri has gotten so much better um, from where they were a month ago. Yes. You still have kind of that game that you had at Arkansas where they lose by 44. And when you're a bad offensive team, that can happen sometimes, but I think at least at home, I think Missouri yep. is a team. If I'm looking at it from a betting standpoint, anytime Missouri plays in Columbia, I'm always going to be intrigued by that because you know, more often than not, they're probably going to be the underdog, but 
they they have proven. I mean, they are playing pretty well at home, and you know they've beaten Bama there. They almost, I mean, quite frankly, I thought they should have beat Auburn. I thought they outplayed yeah. Auburn. And yep, I agree. You know, so so that's a team that that I would really look at and say if they continue on this sort of trajectory, I find them very intriguing the rest of the way. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, this is a team I've been I've been backing at home with pretty inflated spreads. And and to go back to the Vanderbilt point, yeah, I mean, we saw earlier this year without Robbins, just with Chapman in the lineup. I mean, it's a team that beat BYU on a neutral court. Yeah. And then they went on the road to Arkansas and beat Arkansas. Um, so, you know, you saw some of the potential there, and that was without Robbins. Um, I guess I'll just – I'm going to make you pick one. You can either – you can take a cop out. You can say – you can take – you can take two different teams or you can take the same one. Who ends up winning the SEC tournament and – who wins the SEC tournament and then who goes the furthest? in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, there's a ton of variance, but just for fun. Yeah, I, I think um, – I, I just – man, there's something about this Auburn team. I think that they are just – that's going to be fun if we do get Auburn-Kentucky um, in the SEC tournament final. So, I'll pick Auburn uh, just because, you know, they're the number one team right now. And, you know, I, I have a hard time not saying Kentucky's the team that goes the furthest because I, I think that, as we know, as you said, there's there's so much variance there and with matchups and such. But – you know, if Kentucky's full strength, and that's the issue I think we're running into with Kentucky, it's like, man, you know, we saw what they did against Tennessee, and you're like, oh, my. Like, if, they, if they're if they on, look the hell out, because they can they can really, you know, turn it up into that level. And so, I guess to, to have some fun with it, I'll say Kentucky, um, just to give you a different answer on both. But I think, as we said earlier, I think both have a really good shot to, to go a long way, and it'll all depend on the matchup. So Yeah, the, the two losses that – Kentucky has taken an SEC play. Auburn, you know, they were they end up being shorthanded. And then LSU, I mean, they end up being super shorthanded. They lose yeah. two of their guards to injury. You know, Sheba was in foul trouble in the first half. That's I think that's the key for Kentucky is you have to and Cal Part is very, very conservative in this sense. Like you have to make sure that Sheba doesn't pick up like two fouls in the first three yeah. minutes of like a tournament game. And then you know, Cal, will you like sit him for like 15 minutes to make sure he can play the whole second half? But then all of a sudden you're down eight, and that's the yep. last thing you want in a tournament game. A team, another team has life. Um, and then I think uh, Grady is the key. I mean, if he's hitting his shots, oh, yeah. that that offense is just uh, on another level. Um, yep. Well, appreciate you joining us as always. We might have you back uh, closer to the SEC tournament. Uh, do you want to plug anything and then let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, I always appreciate it, man. Like you said, um, covering all the SEC. You can find all our videos and stuff, uh, southeastern14.com. Check that out there. And, uh, yeah, on Twitter, uh, tweeting away at uh, the Blake Level. That's the Blake Level, right? Not the. The, the uh, one and only, the. right? So. <laughs> yeah, T-H-E Blake, L-O-V-E-L-L. Thanks for joining us as always, and uh, enjoy the hoops this weekend. Sounds great, my friend. Thanks. All right, thanks, Blake. Let's now talk uh, some Friday Night Hoops and our Friday Night Six Pack. Six guys, six picks. It's a College Hoops Weekend Six Pack. Everyone's trying to get it right, get it right. Everybody's working for the weekend. We went 4-2 and two last week. BJ, I think you came up just short on your under. Yeah. We're counting, you know, we, you and I are going to agree on which one of the three memories picks we want to double up on. So they'll count. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have two wins, sometimes we have two losses. So we're going to list them. We'll start with them. So let's get to their picks. 
my calculations are correct, you're going to see some serious All right, for my best bet, I'm going a total, guys, in the MAC, Buffalo, Ohio, over 149.5, 150. You could stretch it maybe a point higher, and I'd be okay with it. This game should play high possession. Buffalo loves to and needs to run to win this game, to hang with Ohio, one of the best teams in the MAC. And Ohio should oblige. They should run right, right with them. They're not scared of Buffalo themselves. Last year, this game played to 74 possessions. It also played to 71 possessions when they met twice. Each game had at least 150 points in them. Buffalo should have a clear advantage inside, while Ohio should have a clear perimeter advantage, a.k.a. both teams should score efficiently. Pace plus efficiency equals high, high point totals. I like Buffalo, Ohio over 149.5, 150. All right, folks, I'm going to the MAAC, the MAC, for my best bet. I'm talking the Manhattan Jaspers, taking a quick trip, just a stone's throw away over to St. Peter's, taking on a Peacocks team that's really been surging lately, uh, picked by most to finish atop the leaderboard um, in the conference preseason. They struggled a little bit in non-com, but now have looked like the you know one of the top two, three teams in that league. But the Jaspers have some top-down transfer talent uh, led by Jose Perez, former Marquette and Gardner-Webb standout. He has really stabilized a backcourt that used to be extremely turnover-prone. And against the Peacocks' stingy defense, they're going to need his presence along with the rejuvenated and renewed health and improved play of his Robin, a Samir Stewart there. In general, guys, this line's just way too high. Uh, opened at 7.5 at the at bet off at some of the offshores. By the time you listen to this, I bet it's down to close to 6.5, six, 6. I would still take it at anything at 6 or higher. I just don't see the home court playing out very strongly here. Uh, so far in MAAC play, 20 of 44 games have been won by the home team. So the road team is actually winning more games than the, the home team. Um, home court is nothing. Jaspers have a chance to win this game outright. Take the Jaspers and the points. All right, I'll round it out, guys. My best bet for Friday, part of our six-pack, is Air Force. Home dog against Wyoming. I'm seeing some seven and a half, some eight, some eight and a half. I like anything seven and above. I just think this Air Force team is super feisty as an underdog. They've been terrific so far this year. And last year, as a way worse team, they split with Wyoming. Like Air Force was horrendous last year, and they still found a way to get it done once against Wyoming. Granted, better Cowboys team this year. That's okay. I also love the matchup here. Air Force plays a tricky matchup zone. Wyoming wants to play through the post more than anyone in the country per synergy. They feed Graham EK over and over and over again. That's going to be really tough to do against this Air Force zone. And on the other end, Air Force's big weakness offensively is turning the ball over. They, they, they cough it up frequently, but Wyoming does not force turnovers. That is not a defense that's going to take advantage of what the young Air Force roster does poorly. I think they hang around here at home. It's a tough place to play. I know Wyoming's used to elevation, so that's not really an edge. But I think a confident young team at home led by A.J. Walker, their veteran point guard, can stay close here and possibly even win outright. I'm on Air Force. Let's go Falcons. Let's go Air Troops. All right, good stuff there. Uh, I will say, I'll just throw out my, my six pack because it involves one of these games. Maybe hopefully you didn't have this. Did you? Because uh, we've been on the same page because we don't we don't share any of our picks. We just come and with our our notes and go. Do you have? I hope you don't have Buffalo. Do you have Buffalo? I don't. I have another okay. Mac pick though. Yeah, I'm going Buffalo here. I think you know Mbala looks back, fully back. When I saw him last game. 
This Buffalo team, I think, is underperformed. They're undervalued in the market. I like them. And anything minus three, I think I saw an open or lower. I think you might end up getting some Ohio money. Buffalo wants to get to the rim, which I think they can do here. They want to get out in transition. And Ohio's defense has been bad in transition. Major revenge spot. Thank God our, our, my Ohio boys last year won an upset Buffalo in the MAC tournament. I think it was the final, the MAC tournament final last year. And uh, I think Buffalo has had this spot circled at home. And I think you're going to see, you know, people are saying Ohio is the best team in the MAC. I still think at the end, come March, it's going to be Buffalo. And this is the spot to back them at home. Where are you going? I'll go Akron plus nine and a half against Toledo. Toledo has been one of the luckiest teams in college basketball. Their actual record is 16 and four, but their shot quality record is 12 and eight. A lot of that has to do with the fact, and you've preached on this many times, Stucky, but a good indicator of offensive regression is looking at what teams allow from three point field goal percentage and free throw defense, free throw percentage. Well, Toledo is 36th in three point field goal percentage allowed and 10th and free throw percentage uh, allowed. Akron, on the other hand, has been a little unlucky due for some positive regression. They run a ton of ball screens. They shoot a ton of threes. They're top 30 in both pick and roll and off dribble three-point frequency. Toledo is outside the top 240 in defending both of those per shot quality. One of the biggest weaknesses of the Akron defense is they don't defend the three ball that well, but Toledo has one of the lowest three-point rates in the MAC, so they really won't be able to exploit that weakness. Also, Akron only allows 55% on shot attempts to the rim, and that's where Toledo likes to go most often. So hopefully some of that negative regression for Toledo comes on Friday night. So I'll take Akron plus nine and a half. All right. Um, I don't mind that at all. Akron music, as I call them. Um, the Zips. We have to choose one of the three-man weave picks to make, our, to make it our double up. Last week we went with Kai, his in Nevada. Nevada and Kai. We're not going to go with Kai and the total this week. We're going to go between one of the dogs. We're either going to go with Air Force or and Jim. Matt went with Manhattan. I don't mind either. I kind of like that. I, I like both. I might. I probably will be on both if those numbers hold. Do you have a preference? Well, Wyoming has tortured me this entire season. I can't beat them. It just seems like every single time they just. I play against them, especially against Boise State. Uh, it was ridiculous that Boise State didn't cover against yep. them on Thursday. So, um, you know, I'll let them torture me one more time. Uh, you know, obviously Air Force has been horrible this season, but th- that's where I would go just because I, I, I enjoy okay. the pain. You like, you're like pain. Um, yep. Yeah, they've been feisty dog, Air Force. I, I do like yep. the matchup as well, as Jim mentioned. So we'll roll with Jim and Air Force. There you have it. That is our Friday night six-pack. I'm going Buffalo. BJ is going Akron. Kai's going Buffalo, Ohio over 150. Matt's going Manhattan plus six against St. Peter's. And Jim's going Air Force against Wyoming, which we're doubling up on as the sixth and final beer in the six pack, or should I say pick in the six pack. All right. So that'll do it for us. Thanks as always to BJ for joining me. Thanks to Colin Wilson as well. And of course the guys from three man weave and this week, Blake Lovell, we're talking some SEC. Enjoy the games this weekend. Let's get on a run going into February and carry it all the way through March. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. Try to do, yeah, I'll do some giveaways next week for any five-star reviews. Appreciate all your support. And good luck out there, BJ. Go, uh, I'm on your Hawkeyes tonight. So, uh, go Iowa. 
Go Hawks. Go, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend. Championship Sunday in the NFL and great college basketball all weekend. Should be a good one. We'll be back on Monday with BJ and myself and Mike Calabrese. We'll recap the weekend, talk some Monday and Tuesday. Oops, good luck, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers.